Welcome to SatNuts, the podcast. I'm your host, Drew Klein, VP of Seacom Satellite Systems. What is a SatNut? SatNuts are the shrewd, engaging characters from the space and SATCOM business. Yes, they do exist. This podcast is where we discuss past decisions, current markets, and future endeavors. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Isotropic Networks Incorporated. Isotropic is a global provider of satellite internet services and network management solutions. With the best uptime in the satellite industry, Isotropic delivers unrivaled certainty for high-risk, high-pressure operations in diverse industries such as oil and gas, maritime, and enterprise solutions. Isotropic is connecting the planet and continually raising the bar for what satellite connectivity can be. Visit their website at www.isotropic.network. That's www.isotropic.network. This is episode number 00001. That's right. This is the very first one. I am leaving enough numbers in front just in case we ever get to 100,000 episodes. Some are calling it delusional. I'm calling it optimism. Today's guests are first guests are the principals of a small but formidable family business out of Wisconsin. They're called Isotropic Networks. We're lucky to have the whole family here join us. Hank, founder, CEO, his wife Lynn, president, and their son Ryan, director of Mission Assurance. They're all smart, they're all fun, and we've had a great uh, business relationship with them over the years, and we had a great short chat about SATCOM life in the time of COVID. Ladies and gentlemen, Hank, Lynn, Ryan, the Zaberski family, Isotropic Networks. Hank, Ryan, Lynn, good to have you here. Um, I'm not sure how much you can talk about it, but uh, why in God's name did this antenna manufacturer decide to name themselves after you guys, after you've been in the business almost 30 years? Have you have you gotten to the bottom of this at all? Yeah, they liked the name. They thought it wouldn't uh, make a difference to anybody. But believe it or not, it's the worst name in the world for an inter- for an antenna manufacturer. It's a perfect name for a service provider but not an antenna manufacturer. So um, we're involved in some negotiations with them because we own the trademark. Mm. So, I mean, it would be like me, you know, building an airline engine and calling it Boeing and, and trying to, you know, trying to, 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 to get that, to like slip it through there. It just seems like an odd, an odd thing to have to deal with. Um, I guess it's something you've been dealing with for, for a couple of years uh, at this point, right? Yes, and we are dealing with it. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, it's, it's one, unfortunately, one of those things that we don't have to deal with. But one of the things that we're dealing with now is, is this, this bloody coronavirus. How, how, do you, how do you guys see it affecting our business? Well, it's affecting our business a little bit. Um, naturally, some of our, you know, we're as diverse as we are, we still do, um, have clients that have suspended services or, you know, we've been proactive and we began discounting a lot of our clients because we know we have to help them get through this. So we've begun discounting um, considerably. We've had a few people in a few markets, uh, for example, oil and gas. We've had a few people shut down and there's a couple have gone bankrupt. 
Mm. Um, in the maritime, we've had people suspend service. They're just they're paying for a heartbeat, but we've discounted them considerably. But then some of our emergency response, public safety, uh, NGO, and charitable work is expanding. And then we're coming up with some little uh, satellite-delivered Wi-Fi hotspots around the country because we know there's there will always be un, underserved and unserved areas. So we've been moving into those markets, providing people connectivity at a discounted rate to mm. help them get through this. Do, do, you, do you see, I mean, I know Ryan, I know you're, you're a fire, firefighter, um, and, and I know that uh, you guys have been involved in many different verticals. Uh, Isotropic has been involved, involved in many different verticals. Do you see telemedicine making um, a big play here in, in this post-COVID society that we're living in? Yeah, I think it's there's a need for it now, and it's going to be even more of a need for it in the future. It's definitely, the pandemic is definitely going to change the way we operate across many industries, and telemedicine is one of those that I think we'll see the most immediate change in how they operate, and VSAT has a great fit for that. So we see it now with some of the mobile CT scanners, mobile telemedicine, uh, or, or telemedicine, I should say. And so we see that now, but I think we're going to start seeing that more and more. You know, hospitals and doctor's offices, in most cases, and historically, are the places that the physical locations that hold the virus, hold the infection. It's where the sick people go. So in the future, anytime you can limit your exposure to that when you are feeling ill or need to consult with a medical professional, Telemedicine is definitely going to be the first choice, I think, and and so the connectivity for that is really going to be essential. What do you see on the ground in in Wisconsin? I know every kind of every state is obviously New York is getting obliterated, but uh, it seems like most uh, and you know Louisiana is having some issues. But what's going on in Wisconsin? Is there a lot of I would say you know pullback uh, uh, to towards this this lockdown? Is there a lot of people who are fighting it or are people kind of staying staying at home and, and, and going about their, their home business? Well, this is Wisconsin. We always have beer and brats on hand, so we don't need to go too many places too often. Um, as a company, we're still functioning. All of our facilities, every one of our facilities is sanitized. We uh, use negative ion and... Um, ozone generators to keep the environment clean it kills viruses kills bacteria so we've been very fortunate not to have any issues here we were doing this long before uh the coronavirus hit but wisconsin as a state in general it's uh, it's slowed down considerably yeah yeah and you have cheese and and unfortunately you know if the nfl season doesn't doesn't come back i mean that that's pretty much 50 percent of your economy right is the green bay packers you got but, it. Uh, <laughs> you know, Hank. I know you're you're first generation American. Uh, your parents came to the states in the fifties, and um, you, you were born in the states, though, right, Hank? Yes. Yep. Yeah. First one born here. Yeah. And so I'm I'm a first generation Canadian. My parents are. I call them last generation Euros. What lessons did your parents, you know, leave with you? Uh, are your parents still around, by the way? No, my parents, uh, my father passed in uh, 1998. My mother passed away in 2018. Mm -hmm. um, 
they taught me a lot. I mean, they went through the war. My mother witnessed when the Germans invaded Poland. She was there that day and saw it happen. Um, and they were prisoners of war um, during World War II. But, you know, they, they taught me a lot of simple, wonderful things. Um, don't ever take yourself too seriously. Don't ever forget where you came from. And always be prepared because you don't mm. know what's going to hit you. Yeah, it seems like we're dealing with this right now. And, you know, uh, um, you know, Ryan and I, Ryan, you're how old are you now? 38. Yeah, I'm 42. So we're, we're dealing with about the same thing. And my, my biggest fear is for, you know, my kids, you know, my son Ben's on, was turning 16 this week, you know, and I don't really worry about about, you know, my generation or sorry, Hank and Lynn, your generation. I'm worried more about our, our kids. It seems like they're the ones who are going to have to deal with the brunt of this you know, I don't want to call it the equivalent of a 1939, you know, Nazis invading Poland, but this is a seminal, you know, event that we're dealing with right now. And I, I, I'm a little afraid for my, my kids. Are you guys, do you have any of that similar feeling down there or is it just my paranoia? No, it's, um, we have very, very similar feelings. You know, you think about it before you knew who your enemy was, but here you have no certainty as far as who is the enemy? It's an invisible enemy. Is it somewhere you've been? Is it someone you've met? Is it, you know, is it the air you breathe? You, it's it's invisible. We don't know who it is, and that's how you know, dealing with that is very very difficult for people. And I wonder also, like how they might, you know, maybe in the future might use satellite, um, you know, our business uh, as a way of controlling or monitoring traffic of people and. You know, I'm hearing all these stories about Google and Apple getting together and putting software on our phones to let us know that if we've been in contact with somebody who has coronavirus and then forcing us to isolate. I mean, it's it's like a brave new world. It's it's really, you know, without getting into too much of the conspiracy, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of strange things that that might be coming about in the next uh, couple of years. Yeah, and you've got to you know think about everybody. You know, there are certain people. There's a mentality out there that let's take something when there's fear in people, let's uh, instill more fear in them so that we can control things and we can figure out a way to make money off of it. Yeah. Uh, we're working on some things now, though, that are not as controlling, but uh, with um, modified body scanning techniques that can especially do temperature when people walk through, because what we need to do or what someone needs to do is be able to analyze this and scan people more en masse instead of individually you know mm -hmm. let people just keep walking through an area and be scanned and that's going to happen everywhere in remote areas also and that's where we're providing the satellite play for that we're working with a technology company right now to develop that product yeah they have those at the like the airports in china every time i would walk in there they would have full Full temperature scans. I'm, I, you know, I'm surprised we haven't we haven't done that yet at in in our country, or at least in North America. You know, we haven't we haven't seen that. I think it's a cultural thing. You know, there's there's a real cultural difference between us and and the and the Far East in terms of um, sequestering yourself uh, from others from from viruses. They have a little more experience in dealing with that than we do, I guess. Yes, they do. It's happens much more often out there and. Truthfully, yeah, the manufacturers of this equipment are all Asia-based. You know, they're, hmm. they're 
they are way ahead of us on that. So, so, um, so Ryan, what's, what's it like working for, I mean, I work for my old man. Um, you've been working for your old man for a long time. What's it, what's it like to, to be in that position where your boss is your dad? Yeah. Quick correction. I, I work for my young, young man. <laughs> I should go on record for the record. Uh, no, working working for your parents is great. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I get to. I'm very fortunate that I get to spend every day with them. Some, you know, some people would say you spend every day with your parents, and, and some people don't get to see their parents that often. And I get to spend every day with them and talking to them, and we, any conversation from advice on on uh, looking at a real estate or uh, something to do with satellite, anywhere in between. So very fortunate in that regard. Um, you know, my friends tease me a lot if I get invited to go on a trip or something. I let them know I have to ask my mom if I can take the day off. And <laughs> usually stirs up a good, you know, I say it without thinking about it, and that stirs up a good laugh. But mm. uh, I couldn't think of uh, two better mentors to work for and work with. So I'm very honored and very fortunate. And, um, you know, I, I have a lot of my friends that, ask if we're hiring or if they can come work for us outside of being able to work with the parents the company that they've built is is phenomenal and just a great place to work as well yeah i mean i iso is is a is a real you know model company i mean almost 30 years in the business and from what i remember hearing or, or talking with you hank about it was that you you still have your first employee and you still have your first customer which is which is such a rare and unique feature for a company to have i mean how many companies have that is that it that that tells you a lot about it about uh you know the the work environment you're dealing with there yeah we try to make it unique we try to do it better and actually every day we try to make it better we don't believe in limitations um we're kind of never satisfied it's not a constant drive but it's a a constant effort to improve everything we do I think part of it, though, is our philosophy is a little different. Um, you know, I admired Jack Welch at GE. He did a wonderful job there. But I never really believed in shareholders first. Uh, at Isotropic here, we believe in client first, you know, the customer first. And that takes care of everybody else. Plus, we don't have to worry about shareholders. We don't have them. Hank, who, who was your first boss? I mean, you must have had a boss at some point in your life. Who was it? Oh, well, my first, my very first job out of college, I went, I got into the agricultural business, so uh, agricultural equipment manufacturer, and I worked directly for the owner. Was he and a prick? Was he ever? Yes, he was <laughs> tough on me. He was tough. I mean, this is the mid-70s and it was nothing for him to call me at home at night yelling about things yelling about other people you know it was something but he taught me a tremendous amount and then um he went and uh took over another company and uh i it was just a wonderful mentor i was transferred five times in seven years because mm. he would acquire another business i would be transferred out there to run it and get things going and it just taught me tremendous things this episode of the podcast is brought to you by seacom satellite systems 
Seacom is a pioneer and world leader in the mobile auto-pointing satellite antenna business. The company has sold more than 9,000 systems into over 100 countries. The product line includes vehicle-mounted driveaways, transportable case-based flyaways, backpack man-pack antennas, and fixed motorized products. All come with Seacom's proprietary iNet View controller system, which enables users to find broadband via satellite with just the push of a button. Seacom is also in late-stage development, partnered with the University of Waterloo, of a revolutionary KA-band electronically steerable phased array antenna technology that has the potential to forever change the antenna business. The company is publicly traded on the Canadian Venture Exchange under the symbol CMI and on the US OTC under the symbol CYSNF. Visit the website at www.c-comsat.com. That's www.c-comsat.com. Yeah, that's important to have a, a good first boss, or at least an interesting first boss. Um, one of the things that, you know, drew me to you, uh, Hank, was that we, we have a, even though we're a full generation apart, we, we both started also in similar businesses because we were both in the commodity markets for many years. Um, what was your involvement in the commodity business, uh, specifically the commodity trading business? And were you around in the in the open outcry days of the pits in Chicago? Um, what, what was that like? Oh, yes. Well, I owned an introducing brokerage firm uh, that I started. And then um, my life took some different turns. And I actually ended up working for and becoming a partner in an FCM, a futures commission merchant, a full clearing member of uh, the board of trade in the Merck. So, you know, I began playing with uh, broadcasting back then. And um, I can tell you, I um, was very involved in the open outcry. And then um, I delivered the first electronic order to the floor of the board of trade in on President's Day. 1991 when the exchanges were closed for the holiday mm. we did testing and i delivered the first order to the floor and i said i need to get out of this business because it's going to go all electronic I need so, to so you were so you were partly responsible for the downfall of those open outcry markets is what you're saying <laughs> oh yes and never if I, if you ever if i ever tell you about a, a a commodity trade or a stock trade i'm doing fade me do the opposite. You're, you're, <laughs> it's such a unique market. People who invest in stocks think they understand commodities and, and vice versa. And it's really a totally different market. And that kind of, you know, it pulls me a little bit, you know, towards uh, um, what I also wanted to talk about a little bit was just the, you know, the investment that's going on in our industry in the satellite business. It seems like there's and I've only been in this business 10 years, so I, I only know what I've read. But it seems like right now we're seeing a lot of money being poured in, huge dollars, like a golden age of the satellite business that we're entering with all of these big machers, you know, from Bezos to Zuckerberg to, you know, to Weiler to um, Elon Musk, you know, all pouring money into our into our business. Do you, do you think we're headed into some kind of a, a bubble that that will be positive for us or or are we seeing the effects of this bubble popping already with you know the the you know one webs of this world um you know blowing up and and 
what's your perspective on that? What do you see? Well, satellite is sexy right now. So that's why all that money is available. And you've got, if you look at the generation that's out there right now, there's a lot of people that have made money primarily because their parents died. You know, we're going through the second uh, generation of uh, folks whose parents had life insurance. So there's a lot of crazy money out there with that that people are investing. But, you know, the, the satellite play, the Leo play, some nobody's been able to do it right yet. I think the only people really, you know, that are stand-up folks in this are uh, the folks at Telesat. They're putting their own money into it, um, and they're doing it right. It's going to take a little while. You have to remember, there's there's never going to be enough bandwidth. It's a perfect example right now with everybody working from home and what's happening. So it's going to, you know, there's definitely going to be a need and a demand for the product. But what's really where the big money is right now is in launch vehicles. You know, mm-hmm. Bezos and Musk and, you know, um, Aerojet, Rocketdyne, all these people are building the rocket. And if you if you drill down really deep and look at that industry, why is it? Well, you know, we've we have a new uh, we have the Space Force now, you know, Space Command or the, the Space Force that is responsible for outer space. Um, and the U.S. has funded a tremendous amount of activity there. And I so maybe we might be we might be heading towards a. Uh, second generation, um, you know, space, you know, space industry is what you're, is what you are seeing or saying. Exactly. I just saw that uh, just, uh, I think last Friday, Virgin Orbit was awarded a, I believe a $35 million contract and it's just experimental launches. Yeah. They're just throwing stuff, you know, launching things into space just to see how it works. I believe I was reading some uh, an article on Space Command, they want to be able to have at least 48 launches on demand. Wow. Uh, you know, it's really changing from the way it, it used to be. I mean, from the way it is now, whether you're talking about, you know, enormous high-cost geosatellites versus going into these low-cost shoebox-sized LEO satellites um, that they're launching. And, and uh, I mean, the whole industry is going to change in the next five years. Oh, it is. I mean, I look at now with what we're doing with the with the geos, which is working perfectly. It's wonderful. But I see the day when we may have a client that like we have clients right now. One corporate network has 400 sites. Mm-hmm. They may want to may be cost effective for them to have their own constellation. Wow. Are, are you able to fly now, Hank? Because I know you, you have a plane and you guys fly everywhere. Are you able to go visit your customers still amidst this lockdown, or is that not even possible? We were just in the air on Tuesday. No, it was Monday. Monday, mm-hmm. we went to uh, Washington, D.C., and then up to uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, and back. And it's just surreal. There was one airliner, one military, one helicopter on the ground the whole time. And we landed in Manassas, Virginia, and there was no other aircraft on the ground. Hmm. Only and one one controller, I think at Cleveland Center was handling everything in the Midwest, where there's normally you know they'll switch you over to three people. It was one guy handling everything. Wow. It's a whole different ballgame. 
but I love we're gonna so we're so yeah we're still able to fly and we do the same thing we have a filtration system that sanitizes the interior of the aircraft before we go so we're everything's always in a clean environment I want to take advantage of a lot now because fuel prices have dropped unbelievably and continue to drop today. Uh, there was a huge build uh, in the EIA uh, numbers. Uh, so something like there's, it's almost becoming too expensive to even store the the oil at this point. So if you have a, a ability to store fuel, um, you can probably make a lot of money because the even though the price of oil is going down. Yes. And it's like nineteen bucks a barrel or something this morning. I, and I. I, I was reading uh, one of one of uh, the many uh, articles I read about the economy, and 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 one guy was saying um, five six dollars six dollars a barrel oil is coming, and that scared the ever living piss out of me because I know that if we're talking you know five to ten dollar a barrel oil, what's our economy going to look like? Oh, it's going to be devastating, devastating. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous for my, for my family on this, you know, because, you know, if, if the, if, if we're seeing continuing cratering of prices, and there's only so much, you know, um, the government can do in terms of pouring trillions and trillions of dollars into the, you know, into the economy before inflation really starts to take over. I mean, we're already seeing it in the price of gold and. Uh, you know, reaching record highs in almost every currency. And, and uh, you know, so again, I, I'm really, really nervous as to the effect, not just on on our industry, but but for our families. So, you know, it's not it's not very positive right now. I mean, there's there's just very there's so many things that are that are uh, unprecedented happening right now. We just don't know. There's so much uncertainty. That's that's really you know, the big issue is the uncertainty that we're facing. Yes. Well, I'm worried about foodstuffs also, you know, with this last uh, Smithfield Foods with that closing up that big uh, pork producing plant in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I mean, just once they, once all these plants get back into operation, just getting it back into the, you know, getting the supply chain going is, it's going to take quite a bit of time. I mean, and, I see we may have tremendous drops in commodities, drops in a lot of other prices, but I could see food, which is a true necessity, it might skyrocket. Yeah, we have a bad growing season this year. And then, yeah, for sure, you could see corn and be beans and wheat and cattle and hogs, all of which have taken a beating lately, uh, uh, possibly head back up for sure. Yeah. Hi, Lynn. How's it going? Good. Good, good, good. The trader her's coming out. She's already telling us to buy some calls. <laughs> Are you able to what see? Um, what do you think of the Dece One uh, lean hogs? <laughs> hey man, I think I saw them. They were at like forty-four bucks a pound or something. It's uh, or forty-four cents a pound. Is I don't remember seeing them that low. Fifty cents on the dollar. Everything's down today. Yeah. <laughs> Are you able to see um, Lynn? Are you able to go out to Florida and see Melissa at all, or is she coming up, or is she where? Where is she? She's in Florida. We yes. are pretty much homebound right now. We're trying to follow the guidelines for most things, unless uh, we have something emergency like. So you're 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 not trying to get her to come come to Wisconsin. You're not going to visit her in Florida. I guess that's not possible. Well, she's got her two paranoid retrievers. Yeah. They're crazy. I don't want to bring them up here. 
any chance uh, you guys will come up to Ottawa and do a little horsing, uh, ho- horse trading like uh, like we saw a, f- a few a few years ago? You came up here and Melissa was very sweet. She took my nieces out to uh, Ian Miller's equestrian, uh, uh, um, whatever that place is. The horse I hate horses, so I I don't know. I but uh, she she took them there. She took my nieces there and showed them these monstrous, crazy looking horses. That's that's a a passion only for Melissa or is that for, for your whole family? Like what's the interest in horses there? It's um, I think it's kind of for the whole family. It's the whole family. Yep. It's led to a lot of different things in our lives. And uh, yes, as soon as the border opens, we will be happy to return to Canada. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as that bloody border opens, damn COVID. <laughs> well, I just wanted to say, um, uh, before we close out, because we're hitting about the thirty-minute mark, so Isotropic is is a is a wonderful family business. Seacom has been working with you guys now for for more than a decade. Uh, we're we have a great partnership, uh, a, a loyal following, and uh, uh, thank you very much, uh, Hank, Ryan, Lynn, for for joining us on the podcast today. And uh, anything else you want to say before we head out? Yes. Now that we finished, wash your hands. <laughs> Wash your face and don't touch your hands. That's what I've been telling everybody. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Hope to see you in the summer and uh, hope uh, everything, uh, you know, continues to move forward for all of us and, and uh, stay stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you, Drew. Thank Thank you. Say hi to your dad. Sure will. Take yeah. care, guys. Subscribe to Sat Nuts, the podcast. Also, rate and review on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, and anywhere fine podcasts are downloaded for free. Audio engineering provided by Ben Klein. Music provided by Bacon Jew. Special thanks to the entire CECOM staff. Stay nuts, everybody. Yeah.